Hello, today's topic is on NFTs. And for those of you that understand the greater blockchain environment, you should go ahead and skip ahead. For those that want a quick intro into the space as a whole, this is for you. So blockchain is essentially just data strung together like a locomotive train. This technology is helpful because you can track changes to data, who made the changes, when they made the changes, and you retain the original data, much like an incredibly robust red markup function used on word processing software. Blockchain technology appears to be relatively new, but it's actually been around since the early 1990s. The recent and more impactful development has been this decentralization of the blockchain and the projects that have developed on top of these technologies. And these are really what we call decentralized ledgers. A real world example, it would be to imagine a traditional bank ledger that tracks deposits, withdrawals, and other bank activity for its users. And they, they write that in a book and they store it in their vault. That stays in the bank's hands and is centralized. And it's also highly susceptible to fire, theft, destruction, manipulation. Now imagine if that same bank you know, stored that ledger, they copied it and stored it in 60,000 banks across the world. And in order for that ledger to be changed, you would need to break into 51% of the banks at the exact same time, change those records in order to change the, the accounting. Why 51%? Well, on the blockchain technology, on the decentralized ledgers, you need 51% consensus. And, and that overwrites the entire program when you, when you are able to accomplish that. In decentralized blockchains, the data set or ledger is also stored on thousands of computers across the world like the bank vault analogy. And we call those nodes. Instead of a few centralized servers, like the one you may have had in your offices or servers in the cloud or across you know, multiple servers across the world, this decentralization of the blockchain is what makes the technology truly impactful because it requires this consensus of all these separate ledgers stored all across the world. And that nearly guarantees immutability, a fancy way of saying unchangeable, but it provides for enhanced data quality, uh, security, traceability, analysis, and sharing. So, you know, where this data, where this technology really falls short is in the storage capacity of the data, but that's another discussion. So on top of this blockchain platform and this technology are what we call cryptocurrencies, cryptographic currencies, or aka digital currencies. And they're typically security or, or utility-based programs. Cryptocurrencies were born from a dream of decentralizing monetary instruments and finance. So hence where you get DeFi, decentralized finance. Bitcoin, which is the grandfather of this cryptocurrency movement, was born from a belief that the limitations of traditional currencies or fiat currencies could be improved through decentralization to allow for improved finance, greater access for the, uh, for the disenfranchised, and really to remove the power of those fiat currencies. To date, there are well over 6,000 digital currencies on the market because much of the code is open source and people copy and repackage. And while this provides for great opportunity, it also provides for overcrowding in the market and a lot of sameness. And over time, this will distill out and the real winners will, will start to emerge. NFTs, are yet another great layer on top of this movement of blockchain, decentralization, and cryptocurrencies. And these non-fungible tokens are digital records of assets and ownership that come in both physical and digital forms. But more of that on this episode. So now that we've had this introduction, uh, I hope you enjoy. Hey, Ken, thanks for joining me today. Uh, glad you could be here discuss what I feel is a very important and emergent conversation around NFTs and how that will affect the greater markets, especially like digital marketing, consumer engagement, those real practical things to a very kind of theoretical conversation right now. Uh, but before we begin, I'd like to just make a quick introduction for you. Ken is the founder and president of Anvil Media out of Portland, Oregon. He has a background in integrated marketing. Uh, in 97, he built and managed his first search engine marketing team. He co-founded two agencies, co-founded a trade organization for SEM, has had corporate roles as director of marketing, chief marketing officer, and is an adjunct professor at Portland State University. What haven't you done here? He <laughs> now runs Anvil Media on a day-to-day -day basis uh, when he isn't you know, a rock star 
presenter at uh, you know a top digital marketing conference across the country. So is that about to sum it up there? I think that's pretty solid. Awesome. So today, what we want to focus on are NFTs, and really want to focus, like we said, we'll, we'll kind of dip our toes into the theoretical, but I'd really like to get into the practical of how the everyday company, brand, agency could really start approaching and engaging with this, this technology, this uh, whatever you, how would you define an NFT? Well, my definition would be simply any, any digital representation of an asset that people find of even remote value. So it might be an image, it might be a video, it might be an audio file, like a song, music. Uh, those are the most common things. And we can talk more about where certain brands are going with it. But to me, it's just, you're, it's ownership of a, of a deed to a digital asset. Okay. That's a, that's a great way to put it. It, it. I think for a lot of people, it really can mimic the deed to a house, the, the title to mm -hmm. a car, things of that nature, but really in a digital sense. Um, yes. So what I want to get to is right now, NFTs are in a manic kind of speculative space. And in terms of the innovation curve, where kind of innovators meet early adopters, there's a real like land grab taking place. And, and this will all settle out in time. And, and NFTs, blockchain, decentralized letter, ledgers as a whole, I think are going to have a tremendous impact on like utilitarian, governmental, traditionally document-based functions. But today, looking at the consumer side of commerce, the overlap between the physical and the virtual, the, the brands and the people. And sub subsequently, the, the metaverse, you know, that, that word that people don't really understand, but that being that digital world where all these products can kind of live and thrive. Uh, what are your thoughts on what's happening right now with NFTs? My, my view on NFTs is there's been, there's been some progress. I think, you know, uh, just, you know, six months ago, we were still hearing about the first public forays where my brands, you know, Pringles and and um, Taco Bell and others doing goofy stuff, and you know, you know, creating these little goofy images or gifts, um, turning them into NFTs, and people reselling them for ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars due to the yeah. exclusivity and the novelty. Uh, but meanwhile, at that same time, you had uh, the uh, F one Formula One, you had NBA creating true high value digital assets and Microsoft and other gaming companies, um, you know, building uh, some true value in NFTs in terms of tradable collectibles or unique experiences. NBA's um, Top Shot cards gives you unique access to the players if you own their card, yeah. um, you know, a Discord group, that sort of thing. So I think it gets very interesting uh, where where it's going to go, but uh, where it's come so far is you've got uh, you know a boutique hotel saying you can book our room through you know buying an NFT at an Italian boutique hotel. Yeah. I think that's incredibly impractical, but it, it's <laughs> it's probably going to be the start of of something new. I had a vacation rental company contact me this week saying we want to figure out a way to use NFTs in the you know secondary home space, and I can't imagine what that would be, but you know we'll we'll explore it. Uh, so I think for now, it's we're making that initial change in the last month or two from complete PR buzz gizmo tricks to um, lightly or heavily useful assets that people will value and can actually interact with rather than just flex yeah. and make a, a large purchase for, for a collectible. Well, and the names that you mentioned, I think, bring a lot of validity and, and ones I wasn't even aware of in transitioning this from speculation and just the early kind of the innovators movement in the environment to real practicality. Uh, what are some of the, maybe in the next years or few years that you see could be happening with NFTs? For instance, you know, I see it where if I go into, let's say a Joseph A. Bank, right? I buy a suit and that suit, not talking about the frictionless economy and how easy that'll probably become. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the actual digital asset where I buy a car or I buy, a pair of sneakers, that digital asset can actually go into the, I'm sorry, that physical asset can actually go into the digital realm where I yes. can go to a, a AR conference and be wearing that suit. What are the, some, some of the prognostic or the, the futuristic type of thoughts that you have for where this space can go? Well, I think uh, the, the, the immediate 
the immediate opportunities are what, alluding to what you said, which is creating a digital twin uh, to augment your real world purchase, to extend the brand or your, um, you know, your brand, your own personal brand by saying, you know, this is who I am and expressing in the digital world, whether it's a Fortnite or a, a, um, a super world or the next second life, whatever it is. Um, but I think it will be that, that true blend and, uh, and integration between the real and the, and the, and the digital world. Um, you know, I think brands are going to start tying NFTs to a lot of their products and they don't have to be big ticket items as the costs come down for gas, the, the cost of minting or creating these assets um, or the way they get smart building contracts so they can continue to build assets. But, you know, it, maybe there's an NFT with every new car, but it could be a new shirt um, so that that NFT tells about the provenance of the using blockchain of that that shirt, everything about that shirt, but then you can actually wear that shirt in the digital world. I think AR is going to be increasingly important in this world where you are, you know, you, you can wear the shoes digitally. I don't I know. People love this. I, I don't totally get it. Um, I prefer shoes I can wear, but the idea of like Gucci with the virtual uh, slippers before you buy them for real dollars uh, is, is really where it's going. The ability you know, try before you buy, or, you know, a flex, I think you'll start seeing more like NFT, NFT integration the next year or two with the Instagrams and the TikToks. So people can start skinning themselves and buying and selling and trading AR um, filters and lenses. I, I think that's going to get, that's going to be the probably the biggest adoption because it will be this really relatively approachable market where these kids are going to be are going to be NFT natives yeah. and us older folks are going to be like, what? Um, but that, that's, I think what's going to happen. And I think a lot of old will become new again. Things that were, that are kind of nostalgic digital or sorry, nostalgic physical items now making a resurgence in the digital world. Um, yes. Where, you know, it makes sense like Coca-Cola. We talk about, if you're familiar with NFTs, they talk about kind of Genesis or, the first minting of something, um, you know, that works for a Coca-Cola, like signage from the 1920s or 30s, where you, you now can sell those for tens of thousands of dollars. Yep. Do you see that what's happening right now, if, and we'll get into how a, a company or, or an agency might mint something and what that looks like. But if I'm Coca-Cola, it makes sense to have this Genesis, this original minted piece, like the CryptoPunks, the originals. Is that something that makes any kind of sense now for the medium to small companies? Is there any way that they can engage with NFTs with their community that really makes any sense that you're seeing right now? If the answer is no, that's great. But have you seen that? Um, I haven't seen it yet. I think we need a little bit more time. I would say I'll have a different answer as early as six months from now, but certainly within 12 months, I'll, I'll have a different answer on that. And I love that answer because I think if I sit in the seat of some of these individuals, they're saying, well, what is this? It's all over the place. I don't know exactly what it is. And it hasn't really worked itself out. What, are you, what do you think are some of the major pieces that need to be worked out before NFTs can become somewhat mainstream? Right, right. And I think what, again, I think most people over 45 today, maybe closer to 50 like me, are going to be introduced if they're not already in it, like you and I are more yeah. of the bleeding, bleeding edge, pioneers, prospectors, whatever you want to say, um, is that they're going to be introduced through their children, you know, um, or through a passion brand, probably a luxury brand. So more affluent, better educated, probably going to be earlier adopters because the brands will push them there uh, yeah. with these interesting ideas. Um, I think it will be much slower for growth for B2B but what's exciting is we have a, a new global technology company client that, you know, household name that uh, we're working on. Their first foreign NFTs is for the B2B business to business space, okay. incentivi incentivizing training. So their product isn't particularly sexy. They may disagree, but to the general <laughs> public, the use is kind of innocuous, but an important incentivation. It's gamification using NFTs instead of something else. But we're tying that NFT with a physical asset that is, relatively coveted because it'll be very unique to only be one of them. Mm -hmm. And this small sales team will have a chance each to, to earn it. Uh, but then there'll be this NFT associated with it that can be, you know, traded or, or, or exchanged or interacted with. So 
we're excited to, to, to blaze trail um, starting there instead of the obvious place to our first discussions were all around, you know, digital sneakers. And that's yeah. Nike figured it out in 2019 with their patent on, on crypto kicks. They understood it. They're the best example of seeing the vision long-term and executing and capturing that idea. It'll take them years to figure out how to, how to actually manufacture a custom, uh, you know, crypto kick that somebody creates on their own. And then they have to custom build that shoe from scratch. But they're starting the right place. I don't see why. I, I bet that there's been technology the last 20 years at least where they've been talking about custom sneakers for a long time, custom last, custom manufacturing. Now this will be custom design, but you could sort of control what could be morphed or customized. So that gets interesting. Um, so, you know, I think that's where it's really going to go. And I think um, parents will be buying these for their kids going you know, WTF, and then and then getting interested because one of their brands, Porsche or something that they aspire or actually own um, is saying, hey, here's here's the asset that goes with your new car. And they're like, cool, now I'm going to learn what this is. Hmm. So going back to the company that you're working with on the training, tell me a little bit more about that as much as you can. I know it's a new project. Sure. But, sure. So the individuals are... The company is minting an NFT that is providing you with essentially a badge for reaching a certain place in the training. Yes. How, how yes. So the idea is, you know, it's taking the age-old gamification concept and then basically saying, why don't we make it uh, new and relevant? And their, their brand is about innovation. And the company as a global organization is not doing anything in this space. So they tell us. So that's exciting for us to help them blaze trail. But in the end, if you were thinking about it, you can um, gamification for somebody like me with OCD works exceedingly well. The little notifications in the tray, yeah. you know, I, I have somebody's playing me out with words on, uh, on words with friends. I better go, you know, kick that back over to them, make a play. So the idea is taking that basic thing that Fortnite and Pac-Man and other um, you know, on the game side, game theory has done so well in just creating an asset that's far more unique. There's only one of a kind, something you, nobody's really perhaps cared to do with training before, mm -hmm. um, but we're figuring with, uh, the, with the audience we're training, they're going to be highly susceptible and theoretically highly motivated yeah. to um, achieve, the, unlock these, these tokens, these badges that have an associated physical product that has a twin digital element. So we're going to hire artists to create assets that are totally unique and interesting, and they'll get a physical mm. asset and they'll get a digital asset. They keep the physical asset, the digital asset may move around depending on what they achieve or unlock. And, and when you think training, there's a constant need to train individuals and there's a constant turnover of new people needing to be trained. So those assets need to, we have to map out what is the life of the asset? How long does it last? And yeah. can it be traded, bought or sold? A lot of the other conversations we've had are absolutely public marketplaces like our NFT mural we can talk about later. We want that to be in OpenSea or Rarible, a very common platform uh, where people can buy and sell. Um, and rather than look at it, you know, the minting cost to produce them in the, you know, one to two grand range for depending with the con smart contract and all that is, you know, with OpenSea, we can go with, uh, with owner, uh, owner, purchases or in, uh, covers the cost of the of the minting to keep a nonprofit fundraising event cost down. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's funny, it's some big, big cheeses in an ad age article, where like NFTs are free to make. And I'm like, you know, nothing is free, especially not these. Yeah. Somebody is paying. Yeah. Um, and there is energy. It's not quite as intensive as, as a minting a Bitcoin, maybe 45 minutes versus, I don't know if it's days to create a Bitcoin, but Bottom line is it's not meant to, you know, the non-fungible nature yeah. means there's one of a kind, it's, it could be bought or sold or maybe not. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest challenge we're coming across with our NFT mural is we're having artists create some assets. So I have to, I have hired two attorneys to help us create the contract, a physical contract for rights, because that's really important here. Yep. Um, and then the other part is how, who, where do the royalties go for any proceeds and how many times can it be resold? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, because the idea of the charity component is we would want it to be sold multiple times, but do we put a cap on it? Yeah. Uh, because the artist may not want it traded around like a village bike or they, every time it's sold, they get money. So they're like, have it infinite. 
and you know I'm getting 50% of every sale. Charity's getting the other half. Everybody wins. Let's keep hoping the price goes up as the artist gains popularity. More people want to buy it. They make more money. The charity benefits. So there's interesting things about NFTs that people don't trade and buy and sell artwork to raise money for a charity more than once, right? That's the the main difference with an auction, art auction, yeah. or fundraiser. This could happen in perpetuity. So it's really exciting for artists and musicians and so forth to look at ways to monetize. So uh, back to your original question on where it is today, we are trying to educate artists and musicians, performers that are typically out that starving artist mentality has a chance to actually make passive income yeah. if they're good at what they do, either brilliant art or brilliant at marketing it. Beeple is not by any standard a considered a brilliant artist. Um, his $69 million collage is widely regarded as garbage. It's 13 wow. years of garbage. But according to art, you know, critics, <laughs> yeah. very yeah. few art critics are artists. Um, it's easy to critique, but I, I don't disagree. It's weird stuff. He's just, he understands 3D animation, makes weird imagery, and then just put them all together. And then somebody flexed for 69 million to have bragging rights to own that. Probably not an art connoisseur, probably new money, who knows? But the problem, point is, artists should take note of that and start to think differently. And, and now, you know, sports athletes and others are like, using NFTs potentially help people buy into their contracts and invest in them. I think that's, it's gonna become a form of currency, even though it's non-fungible, it gets really interesting. Yeah. Uh, it in a the next, yes, the next year or two. Yeah, and and the funny thing that people might not understand, I'd like you to maybe introduce the the, the mural project a little bit more. Sure. But what people might not understand is that all of these can be utilized through what's called a smart contract. So if I'm Picasso and I sold my first, you know, picture for a thousand dollars. When it's resold in the digital world and via smart contracts, I can get a twenty-five percent kicker off that. So that if something continues to trade and accrue in value, then I can still benefit from that. And I think a lot of people don't understand that aspect. Yeah, yeah and that's really important because whether you own, you know, Ferrari for years has had a problem. There, they have one of the few cars that appreciates in value after you buy it. Generally speaking very unusual for cars to have that um, attribute. Yeah. And so they would, have, would constantly, especially back in the 80s and 90s, would send notes to their owners of their F40s, F50s, these multi-million dollar cars now. Um, maybe they bought it for 500 or a million, but it's worth three to 4 million. Ferrari gets none of that back end appreciation. So they'd say, you've got to go drive it. You need to drive it, drive it. I see there's a satellite, it's not moving. Um, it's not to be a, meant to be a museum piece. It's meant to be driven. But the value is so huge that that's the in inherent challenge is people don't want to drive them. They want to buy them, sit them in a garage, and then sell them a couple of years later for a 5X to 10X multiple. And Ferrari is like, we don't benefit from that. And we make cars to be driven. And that's the problem, you know, kind of the Rolex problem. So um, do you see that there's a potential pitfall here where via a smart contract, Ferrari could see that you're not utilizing it, uh, you know, 5,000 miles a year. And and potentially pull back that that ownership or that product or well, it's an interesting idea. My my main point was that they may have if they create a digital version of the car, then they could, to your point, see upside on the resale of that one-off uh, as oh, okay. asset that goes with. So, so don't somebody restrict, can keep just partake. Right, partake. Yeah. And so it still may be a one-off asset associated with somebody's car that then that person keeps the car, but that NFT asset has its own value, but then Ferrari can build in their own uh, royalties into that. And then it gets a little more interesting to, and to them and to other brands, frankly, to be able to do that. So well, that's a very interesting concept. And the fact that you can share in this appreciation as a corporation after you've already sold the product, that's, that's yeah. very interesting. Yeah, and we'll see if that if that happens because I think of the brand we're working with right now, and then others. They also don't want to seem greedy, right? Yeah. But if, if it's done right and everybody's happy to have that uh, partake in that product, then again, I think everybody effectively wins. Um, but I think the first forays are going to be brands that instead of being highly protective of their brand from a, um, you know, from the, uh, uh, you know the luxury brands that, that it may be a brand that has a little more to lose um, and is willing to, to dip in first. It just, it's just a gut feel really. I, yeah. I could be wrong, uh, but that's what, what kind of what I'm thinking. 
Well, I think most of this is gut feeling. I was reading about an artist, I think his last name was William Chang or Matthew Chang, I can't remember. And he sold a number of art pieces. And then within the smart contract, it's agreed upon that if they burn it, meaning they destroy it, that asset, right? That mm -hmm. the creator will give back half of his, what he got from the sale. And it'll fire. go into an irrecoverable, unrecoverable wallet. And to, to almost build this deflationary scarcity. Um, and it's really interesting Ooh. with all of the things that we could do with these assets and NFTs. But, but going back now the rabbit hole, tell me yeah. a little bit more about the real life, the practical, the, the mural project that you're doing. This is for charity. Walk me through maybe the evolution and the steps yeah. of that. Yeah. So, and it's been, it's been a journey and I'll, I'll just say partially because of the impetus behind it wasn't uh, maybe what you would think. Um, it started out innocently enough with a, uh, you know, pitching a, a footwear brand, a global footwear brand, the idea of a, an NFT sneaker back in January when it was okay. still cool and new. Yeah. Um, and It's already um, old and not cool. Right, right. <laughs> we already so missed that bus. <laughs> the, bus, the bus has left the building. So I oh, had geez. to, I brought in a graphic designer who okay. did not know anything about um, about NFTs to mock up a shoe. It was a co-brand that looked really dope. And the client loved it, but they were too risk averse to pull the trigger on it. Didn't have budget allocated, you know, off, off budget season or whatever. But just this was in, um, sorry, this is probably actually in March. And so it was still kind of cool. Um, <laughs> but he said, wow, these, this NFT thing has blown my mind. I knew nothing about it. And he said, what if we did something good with NFTs and maybe raised awareness or raised funds? Okay. Long story short, we ended up with, let's create a mural. Um, I felt that that was easier than, you know, 3D printing little objects and painting them or doing anything that was not to say that I'm about to find out tomorrow we're going to start prepping the mural, but um, it was something big that people could see. It was more inclusive. Um, my building in Portland that we're in is in the Albina district, which was, is uh, classically known as the, the black district. It was the only place that African-Americans were allowed to buy houses in a, a two, a one by four mile area, very small area. And um, since 1919, um, they were basically blacklisted from everywhere else in Portland. Uh, we're an uh, exceedingly white state with a, in a, and an exceedingly light city, white city within that from a racial mix up, racial mix. And so I wanted to acknowledge that that neighborhood was, you know, 10,000 years ago to a couple, you know, to a couple hundred years ago was a Native American, you know, uh, really fruitful place to fish and hunt and all that. And then it became this um, stump town, cut all the trees down, created uh, Portland. I don't know if you know this, but originally Portland was going to be either New Boston or Portland. And it was determined by a flip of a coin. Wow. One guy was from Boston. Another <laughs> guy was from Portland, Maine. Portland won. So um, Portland sounds better. Yeah. So with, all, <laughs> so with all the kind of the dark history, I want to acknowledge that because our building okay. is in that neighborhood. And I'm a white owner in what was a black neighborhood. And so um, and it's actually inspired me to sell part of my building, eventually all of it to, you know, uh, some sort of BIPOC, you know, black owned business. There's a salon in our building and, I, and they're interested in buying. They're just not ready yet. And I'm interested in selling when they're ready. So um, mural. Okay. Well then what's the NFT component? The idea is you can't own a mural. I mean, I could say I own it. It's the, my building, but I don't take it with me when I sell. Yeah. Um, it may, won't last forever. It's south facing. So it's going to get pummeled by the weather, mm. uh, by the sun. And um, so we thought, okay, the one way that you could own it is by creating a digital twin and owning it. the asset, yeah. right? So, so how do you make it more interesting? Because how many of those do we sell? We decided we're going to sell 38 licenses to this mural that the, the community is going to paint together. We're going to start prepping it today, tomorrow, and then I'm going to start painting Thursday. And then we're going to, God forbid me painting, but it's a grid. It's it's a representative, you know, nftmural.org. You can see it. But um, okay. that's what's going to look like in theory. It probably won't be as clean and crisp because we're not all professional painters. But the beauty is we're going to have scissor lifts and people can sign a waiver and we'll take them up the lift and they can paint, help us paint this mural as part of the community. Then we're going to have an auction to um, to to 
auction off the digital version of that. We're going to sell physical posters as well, because if okay. you're going to raise money, you got to keep it as, as open and inclusive as possible. But the asset, the exclusivity will hopefully, instead of selling posters for $50, we can maybe sell the digital version for 500 or a thousand mm -hmm. or more. Um, and then we have three artists right now. We were going to have 38. We just didn't have the bandwidth, the time or the budget because we want to pay all of our participants is to create a digital artwork that goes in the digital asset that they will then own. They're the only owner of this one piece of digital art. So mm -hmm. anybody could share the GIF. You could reprint it out on your paper. You could even do a blow up and put it on your wall. But this person owns that GIF. I mean, that digital asset. And the goal would be if we had had time to print those to display them, um, the art may not be ready and printable in time, but at least we can talk about it. And then people would actually pay more for that, maybe two grand, yeah. 2,500 to have the, to be the only owner of a true digital piece of art. If you can spend 69 million on Beeple's collage, you can spend 2,500 <laughs> yeah. for a good cause. So, yeah. so that's the idea, but you know, it's been really interesting. You know, the, the discussion of how inclusive and versus how exclusive especially yeah, with the topic that's a and, challenge right there. and it's a fundraiser, right? So you yeah. want to, you want to be accessible. Um, but we feel that the, the, you know, my experience with fundraisers is 5% of the people generate 95% of the, of the fundraise. Yeah. They're the wealthiest, uh, they can afford it. So those are the people we're going after, but we know it's a small audience. We may not be able to sell 38 of them. I don't know. I feel like I'm predicting I might have to buy one of them. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> but, um, you and know, also but, what you're talking about also is this thing of fractionalization right? Being able yes. to own just a small piece of the greater piece. Yes. And that's the beauty. Um, also just, you know, so this is a whole exp uh, exploratory educational experience for everybody. For me, I knew enough about NFTs to be dangerous before this experience, but what I didn't know was Portland's history and yeah. all of that that's going into the background of the mural, which has been very interesting to me. It's also the little details. I don't have an NFT wallet yet but I yeah. sure will in the next week. Yeah. Um, and so we have to help people along in that journey to get that wallet, to be able to buy, you know, their first thing might mm -hmm. be 50 bucks, might be 500 bucks, might be a dollar. But if we help get them there along with the artists, then we've really won. And so what you're pointing to is actually the state of the market right now with NFTs. You're not just going through the process of, of creating the content or the asset, but you're also and, and engaging with the potential consumer or buyer, but you're yes. having to educate. There's going to be a heavy, heavy, heavy educational side to this. Can you help a little bit in what you've learned in this process about I am a small brand. I come work with, you know, Anvil Media and I want to do some kind of NFT project. What does that look like for me? What is that process? Where can I maybe start doing that? Yeah, great question. So, um, you know, you've got a lot of great uh, resources, Brandon, and you're podcasts and, and elsewhere. I wrote an article for a, an organization called Think Northwest. It's at thinknorthwest.org, but just Google Kent Lewis NFT Anvil and you'll find it. Okay. And it's uh, basically, it's called NFT Marketing, How Brands Can Use NFTs to Engage Consumers and Generate Revenue. It's based on the presentation, How We Met at Digital Summit. But that spawned this conversation with some really interesting brands. And I'm speaking tomorrow on that topic here in Portland at the same Digital Summit. Um, but basically, the, the way I look at it is, first, we have to, the hardest part, and this has been true for my 25 years in digital marketing, is client having clarity on what is the objective, okay. and who is the audience, what is yeah. the message, and what's the call to action. That's really the core for legs of the stool. And so this morning, we were talking with our global client who's um, back east, but uh, other contacts are in Europe. Uh, this is going to be a global 10 geography, you know, pro, uh, prog program. And it's, you know, we had to spend time understanding the audience and their motivators to help make sure we make the right uh, choice with artists and theme and what kind of product, physical product asset we're going to um, um, incorporate that art to, um, making sure that this is the right motivation. Uh, and then there's the idea of then we have to build a roadmap. So, uh, so typically to simplify what we do in digital marketing is we have an audit planning phase to have some sort of what's the opportunity and then here's our plan based on all okay. the research. And that's no different with NFTs. We're going to have a, we're auditing all the information and creating a plan. So look at their style guide, looking at their LMS system for the training, looking at everything and saying, 
we think this is the best way to roll it out. So the key elements in any program are going to be, you know, your kind of your, your customer journey map relating to the NFT experience. From there, you can generate um, your smart contract. So what doors and what keys go where? Um, you know, how long are you hosting these assets? Where are you hosting them? How what much? are some platforms that you use even just like for the smart contract? Uh, smart contract, you, well, there are templates out on, on the, on the internet for like 10 bucks. And so the contracts we're using are going to be in that uh, realm, basing on a standard template, and then we'll lightly customize it. So you can literally Google, um, NFT smart contract, and you can buy for 10 bucks on the internet standard contract. We have a lawyer we're working with, um, on the rights to clear okay. the art, right. the artist, you know, work for hire. So you can control the artwork assets. Like we're doing at the NFT mural, have two contracts for that. Okay. Um, and so, uh, there's the smart contract. And then you, from there, you determine, you know, how much gas you're going to need to fuel the, what they call the minting. So it's, it's relatively, you know, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, who knows. Um, but the thing with, um, uh, open is that they have the, you know, you the buyer pays the minting fees and the gas. So we're saving, you know, that critical dollars for the fundraiser. Okay. But whereas our, our our tech client is not only do they not want to go open see, this is an internal training for their large corporation. So we're going to do a custom marketplace. You know, we'll build the custom marketplace. We'll create a smart contract that allows us, there might be a couple thousand dollars in sunk costs, but then future iterations could be just for pennies right? Or a couple of bucks to recreate new or create new versions of these NFT tokens, assets, whatever they are. Yeah. Um, and then it's, it's mint time. You have the asset, you get it out on the marketplace. And then the part that we're not forgetting, but there's another partner involved is the marketing. We have to figure out what are the messages that are going to incentivize yeah. these people to open up their wallet. Are they going to need a, a wallet? Because in this case, with the, with the mural, you, this person is going to own it. With this client, they're going to own the NFT because it's going to be circulated around with Internal. employees internally. So yeah. there's no reason, that, but but the but the the incentive is they will get a physical asset that is one of a kind, and then there's a digital asset for a while they'll have it, and then it may go to somebody mm -hmm. else. But they're like, I had it, and the cool thing about NFT wallets, you can use them like galleries and show yeah. off your tokens, right, your yeah. wares. So that's what we're counting on. That's why I think training is going to be a a hot growth market. Oh yeah, for this. LinkedIn better get on this. <laughs> uh, seriously, and they and they totally could. They could open easily open up their own marketplace, make it yeah. affordable. They have the cash and get people excited about creating these these unique assets. Yep. So you know that's that's those are the key elements. Kind of this the overall journey map, the smart contract, and then and then the minting of the asset and where it's hosted on the marketplace. Yeah. Um, and then, then the marketing, right? You've got to make sure. And then there's one more thing I'll mention is the tracking, right? So what are the KPIs? What are the key performance indicators that makes us a success? Cool thing is our client realizes they're like, we're not crawl, walk, run. We're just rolling over in the crib and trying not to crap ourselves. That's where they're at. <laughs> uh, because this is brand new to them. Can you quote their, that for them? Uh, well, th that literally was what they told me, uh, oh, which, is, which is why they're a good fit for us. We, we love yeah, their exactly. style. Uh, but, but, you know, the measurement, right? So that's going to be important. And obviously digital elements create measurement and block anything on the blockchain has bomb proof measurement, you know, and, and, and provenance and history. So, you know, uptake of the classes, the training certifications, that's going to be easy, but then there's the internal buzz. Oh, you know, this is phase one, ideally of a multi-phase approach. By the time we're at phase three, you're going to be reading about it in the news, you know, but this is case study. This yeah. We're at phase, especially because it's B2B. And nobody is trying to do this yet. Or, I mean, I'd be foolish to think nobody's trying, but we want to tell the story earliest and best. And I think right now, a lot of what we're seeing is, is there's a ton of capital in the market, a lot of speculation. I'm talking on the consumer front, not on the training front. And so speculation is fully fueling this and first movers advantage is critical right now, but I think that'll quickly kind of wane. And I think your process is critical for somebody to sit down and say, okay, the first mover advantage is really kind of passed or is passing so just minting something and putting it out there might not have the effect that you hope it will. It will create, create great content. You can share with people, put it on LinkedIn, look at this NFT we created. Um, but in the, do you kind of agree with that assessment? Because I don't want us completely agreeing in this whole thing. I, I want to know what you hate about NFTs. I want to you know, go back and forth. Do, do you kind of agree with that type of uh, status of where the market is? Uh, yeah, I totally agree with you 100%. I think that's where we're at. Um, and 
you know, it'll be interesting. Let's put a ticker on our calendar to talk in, um, in, you know, a year, six months and again, in another six months and yeah. see what has changed. Is it the consumer adoption? Is it B2B adoption? Is it the sophistication of the NFTs and how they're used? Uh, you know, if I were to put my bets on where it's going, it's going to be, you know, I have been wrong. I've doubled, I doubled down on mobile marketing five, five years before it took off. Uh, video marketing and YouTube evangelism um, five years before it took off. Uh, voice search hasn't really taken off like we thought it would, even with 40% smart speaker penetration. Uh, it's still a thing, but it's not the thing we thought it was going to be. Uh, if, and we already talked about this one-on-one, -on -one, but the Gary Vanderchuk effect, if yeah. he's already vested, it will create, especially in the marketing community, more traction a bit faster. He is just one man, but he's one really loud man. So, um, so, and then the Mark Cubans of the world, the Elon Musks, you know, they are going to help drive adoption with the, um, you know, the educated early adopters, the tech, tech, tech uh, fans. Uh, but I do think generally this will adopt a bit faster than the most conservative estimates, not fast enough for where I think you and I might want it to go. But so we will be early adopters for, I predict, uh, probably one to two years longer than we thought we would before we're having conversation at dinner table with friends and family and they totally know what NFTs are and they've made yeah. a conscious decision to get in or not get in, but they know exactly what they are and they can even describe them with some accuracy. Um, it's taken my parents, you know, 20, 30 years to figure out how to describe Google. You know, so certain things just aren't going to happen. But I think NFTs will because their their potential is so great. The applications are so broad that they should touch any one person. Once they have that one touch of the elephant, no matter what part of the elephant it is, they're like, wow, this is big. Um, so I think that that's going to be my answer. But it won't be we won't be saying that we nailed it a year from now, probably more likely two to even three years. Yeah, well, I think that tipping happened. point is going to be then because right now we're seeing that there, there's infrastructure needs to be built out, the, the on-ramps and the exit ramps and all the mechanisms that allow you to engage with this environment. I think the real win right now are for the large organizations that can afford to mint these things and then have these, these like I said, these Genesis pieces, these first edition pieces that I think like the Coca-Cola sign in 30 years will be worth tremendous amounts of money that you can then display digitally, not just you know show somebody your, your wallet and show them on a the screen, but in an AR, VR, mm -hmm. Web 3.0 metaverse, right? The ready player one. I think that is, is very doable within the next, depending on technology, you know, five to 10 years. Oh, easy, absolutely. Five to 10, that's absolutely where it's going. I think it will seem you know, five to 10 years out, it will be, it will be in everybody's life in some way. Uh, you know, whether you're getting tokenized time or booking reservations or whatever it is, where it makes the most sense is truly exclusive, um, high probability of fraud, um, yeah. um, elements that um, tend to want to be passed along, uh, bought and sold for their own uh, their own value. There are certain elements, but I think where it's going to be um, kind of like blogging was sexy, then it was not. Email 30 years ago, wow, novel, now it's not. There's still powerhouses, both of them. And, I, and I'm big fans of both as, as marketing and communication platforms. I think NFTs will become a, a proxy, a provenance measuring stick and, and, and lock, right, for your bigger ticket items or high, high theft or, or uh, forge or fraud items. So you're like, I've got the NFT, I'm safe. And back to your point about that artist having a, some sort of like almost every, an insurance policy for the buyer is, you know, well, I have the NFT. Well, okay, then we'll replace it for you or some other, yeah. you know, benefit to having that NFT. Like with my, my Bose headphones, I twice I've sat on and bent the uh, jack. I'm a big fan of hard jacked because the wireless ones can die at any point. And if I'm on a mission critical conversation with Brandon Miller, <laughs> I do not want my headphones to die. So I am, I don't have a new phone where I have no choice. I, I can still hardwire in, but I sit in it and I broke it twice. The first time they sent me a new pair and we're talking a hundred something dollar pair of earbuds. The second time they're like, we'll give you a discount, but send us the old ones back. Well, I think the NFT could replace the need. Okay. They don't really, they don't really want to waste packaging and mail. Just send us the NFT token and we'll confirm, yeah, you did own it. Here's another pair. I think that is going to be 
the part that's not sexy, but highly powerful in creating a better customer experience and, and more brand protection for, you know, IP and so forth. Go back to that, like frictionless economy where things just move so quickly that the data is processed and yes, yeah. seamless. Yeah, seamless. exactly. Um, so if I'm a small to medium business and I want, you know, we talked about, you can go on open sea, essentially where we are right now is that this would be something that it's, it's a somewhat of a marketing ploy. Uh, it's fun. It's exciting. It's on the front end, but in terms of understanding and execution, you're going to probably run into a lot of obstacles. Do you agree with that? Or do you think the infrastructure really is there? that you could do this if you if you had a little bit of know-how? I think a little bit of know-how. I think this is like second life, as I, you and I talked about mm -hmm. in person, that there's a, there was a novelty factor. There's not a huge application factor in business. It was, you know, a place for people to get freaky. And, um, you know, Ready, Ready Player One and Giant Furry uh, outfits. So, no judgment. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah, no judgment. Nothing wrong with that. I might be that. You don't know. Yeah, being a furry, <laughs> being a furry has its benefits. But um, I think that the hurdles are perceptually large when they're actually technically not very hard, not very big to navigate. But there are just enough steps. Gas, you know, it's fuel. What? And then the mint and the oh, but I, you know, so I think the bigger stumbling blocks is what the technology folks can't easily navigate. And that's the legal aspects of releases, yes. waivers, yep. um, and all of that, the, the digital rights. And I think that is the, the bigger stumbling block where you're going to have some big companies make some relatively innocuous missteps that are going to create huge black eyes when an artist says you didn't release this, you know, you didn't get the proper release, um, or really just individuals doing it wrong with great intention. So following the steps a minute, great. But what about the legal rights? So if I'm a lawyer, I am all over this. So yeah. we're working, the lawyers we're working with, I'm like, you know, you need to market this. You have experience, you know, with these NFT contracts. Um, so there's the legal contract and the smart contract. One is for legal rights and one is for the technology rights, you know, and the, and the, and how it's designed the architecture. So you have to separate those. Uh, but I think it's not as hard as you think. And so for the next year or two, there's margin and mystery, but that's going to disappear pretty quick. Yeah, like I'd say that. within two to three years, that mi that mystery will go away, the margin goes away, and that's going to have to change. Kind of like uh, the, the CPG brands we work with that have a presence on Amazon. Three, four years ago, we were helping them get on Amazon and figure it out. Now that most of them have taken it in-house because you really have to. It's a critical sales channel. Somebody else really shouldn't be managing it for you. And... Um, so that part of our business has actually declined in, in need back like eight years ago. Same thing with marketing automation, huge value. Then everybody got it. Now it's not as valuable. So I think that's going to happen here where like we've got this. So that's going to be hiring folks like you or I to think about the next iteration, the, yeah. the strategic aspects, and then new elements of integrating technology, AR, VR. Yep. Um, that's where it's going to be going for folks like us, you know, where we'll keep, uh, keep ourselves employed. All right. Well, you and I are very much in alignment in terms of where we think this is going. What are some things that you don't like about the market? Do you have any at the top of your mind, either things that you see that are, are booby traps or that you've experienced, mm -hmm. or what are some things that you, you maybe you really don't like, or you just, you don't have enough information yet to know? So I think the first, uh, my first struggle is brands, uh, I, I'm all about experimentation is not having enough vision. So people only know it, uh, NFTs as tchotchkes, you know, co collectibles that rich people flex with. Okay. And that's, I think that's hurting every, that's hurting the opportunity a bit, but that's the same as anything, right? Um, the porn industry, for instance, is, is exemplified by they've innovated more technology than any other industry, yep. uh, VHS, glossy magazines, um, you know, banner ads, they were the, the first internet. banner ad, right? The internet, <laughs> yeah. right? So, so that's kind of how I think NFTs, like the early adoptions are going to be quirky. God knows what you could do with NFTs and porn. We'll save yeah. that for another conversation. <laughs> yeah, In fact, I, I would predict that may be one of the biggest, not only high, fast growing, but one of the absolutely, uh, undervalued, um, applications to own a unique NFT asset related to that, the sex industry, um, if you're yeah. going to flex, it don't even need rich people to spend a lot of money in that industry, right? Every, every, mostly guys are going to do it. So that's, that would be an interesting one. But, but generally I think the goal is to 
um, um, to overcome that stigma that it's complex, um, that it's not for me. It's just for big brands to do goofy stuff. That's been it. And then the secondary part is the in the weeds is I'm shocked at how our NFT developer partner has such poor documentation. Um, like I've hmm. spent my whole life uh, educating others on digital dark arts that you know search marketing, whatever. Okay. And I'm amazed at at how little good information there is out there. So that's an opportunity for both of us creating podcasts like this yeah. to help people, but they need more understand like what are the steps so when i present on nfts tomorrow i've already evolved my deck a little bit from from when you saw it in dc two weeks ago yeah. because it's moving fast and yeah. uh so lowering the barriers making it um using analogies you know when i was learning tennis from my tennis coach he's like it's just like hockey i was like now i got to go learn hockey to know what you're what do you mean yeah. you know with my with my stroke with my swing so you know i think we start to come up with metaphors people understand the doors and the keys and so forth um but that's mainly it i think it's the, the, the limit of people's imagination rather than the technology. The technology is there. It's our, what can, what we, what do we know that's possible that people can understand? I think that's, that's the, that's the connection we're looking at right now. Yeah, that, that's, no, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. And I, I think NFTs, like I said, I think they're in a crazy space right now. I think it's podcasts like this, trying to bring this information to them and people will see it evolve. I mean, people won't even understand, like you're talking about gas fees. We didn't touch on that. And gas fees, they'll wonder why it cost me 6000 as opposed to 2000 to to mint and to transfer this when the day before, how much was it? So, you know, those right. are things that people are going to have to learn trial by, by fire and, mm -hmm. and seeing where the market's going to go. But getting ahead of this is going to be highly speculative and something that you could, if you're a futurist, could be a lot of fun for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Kent, thank you so very much. Uh, Kent Lewis from Anvil Media. We'll put your contact information below the uh, podcast and just want to thank you a ton. I already have you on the calendar for six months from now where we're going to test your theories and your predictions. So thank you. So it's much. been a pleasure. Appreciate it.